talk about our guest speaker today. We have Kevin Choate here. Yes, praise God. If, I want, okay, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever heard, but if you've never heard Kevin, raise your hand. I want to see how many people. Oh, wow. You guys are in for a treat. And look at how many young people raise their hand. Sheldon, you're going to go crazy over this guy. You're going to love him. Cody, you too. So y'all get ready. It's going to be good. Um, I know Kevin from our time at the, uh, the at the Covenant Church. We were in Anna, Texas, and they had just built a new campus in McKinney. And McKinney was like maybe 15 minutes from where we lived, and we were so excited because Roy and I, we've always been a, a, in a big church like that. So we were excited when it came to McKinney, and our son was in high school, <coughs> and Kevin was the youth pastor at, uh, at Covenant Church. So Kevin was our son's youth pastor. Um, we, we brought a lot of kids. We had a lot of fun. And, and he'll, he'll give all the glory to the Lord. But there was a revival in Anna, in my son's high school, his, his senior year, because of the ministry of Kevin Choate. really was. And, and we know God did it. And he, he doesn't like to get any of the praise on it. And that's, that's Kevin. But he, he was a big part of our family and our family's salvation so we really appreciate Kevin now he is the uh, he sojourns and he's the uh, uh, college and career awesome college and career pastor at sojourns he also teaches in high schools uh, he's uh, he's a public speaker in high schools and he'll always get you know Jesus into that somehow so he's uh, he's got a great ministry in the back door yeah so and sometimes, you know, with Kevin, he just comes right through the front door. <laughs> and you'll see that. Uh, he, he's, he's got a varied background. He is a dancer by trade, was, and he taught dance. But he's, uh, he's just a great guy and a great minister. We're so glad to have him. Kevin, come on up. And I'm going to give you this one. Give it up for Rick. Come on. We love these guys. We go way, way back. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh we, we do go way back. In fact, I'm, I'm here today as we met or reconnected at Sojourn Church. You moved, I guess you all moved as far as away you could from me. Was the plan. So I lived up in Anna and then moved out here to get away from me, which I understand I would do the same. But it's all good. <laughs> no, uh, but we did. We reconnected. Uh, this is a cool story. Just to kind of give you a little background. Um, we had, uh, hadn't seen each other for I don't know how many years been probably about six or seven years maybe, and I knew you guys had moved out here, and so uh, we were. they had a guest speaker at Sojourn Church, and they came in, they brought a group in. I remember you all came in a little late and sat actually right in front of me, uh, but there was a packed house, or a couple rows up, and I just remember, here's the cool thing about that is at the end of the service, I'm leaving, I'm walking out, and I thought I rec- I was like, that looks that looks like Lori, I can't tell, and you know, because it had been about six or seven years, right, and it was, and I, and I saw so I'm walking out, I'm leaving, and the Holy Spirit said, no, go back. And it's, it's good to listen to the Holy Spirit, right? He knows what he's doing. I'm clueless. I'm just going to let you know right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I just showed up today. And that's, hey, all you got to do is show up. And then Jesus, and just trust Jesus, right? That's really, that's, that's it. The, the less you know, the better a lot of times. The more you know, a lot of times the less that God can use you because you know too much. You know, you know so much. You got to figure it out. And once, it's like when Jesus said, now that you say that you can see, you no longer can see. So there's actually a blessing being at a place where I'm saying, God, I have no idea. You know, this is the goal right here. I surrender. Because once we get to that point and say, God, I, I'm clueless, I surrender, then God says, okay, now I can show you because now your heart is open to receive 
you know, and hear from me. And so anyway, so I, I turn around, I go back, I've learned to listen to that voice. And I kind of just snuck up because I couldn't tell, you know, I want to make sure. And, and, you know, Lori just like, she got all excited, which just blesses me. I'm telling you, it just so blesses me. And uh, just the joy. You are like exuberant joy. And uh, anyway, so we connected and she recognized. She said, hey, let me introduce you to my pastor. And that's when Pastor Nathan uh, came up. And and uh, we connected and prayed with him and had a word for him. And it just confirmed some things. And the next thing you know, that just began a beautiful relationship. And here I am today with you amazing people. And I'm so grateful. I absolutely love this church. I love Pastor Nathan and Pastor Ali. I'm so I'm excited that they're in Honduras because I know God is doing some incredible things with them and the team that's there. And I just want to give them a shout out and honor them uh, and their and their faith. I mean, it takes faith to step out and do something like this. Okay, it's not easy, you know. And you guys know that and things, but just following God is not an easy thing, right? A lot of times because He'll ask you to do things that are very uncomfortable that you don't want to do, like go up and talk to somebody that you don't even know them, or go do something that you have never done before or, you know, do something that's way out of your comfort zone, you know, and like get up in front of teenagers and actually, you know, talk to them, right? That's not like, or get up on a microphone. Can I tell you right now, let me encourage you. I used to have a nervous breakdown. If I had to get up in front of people and speak, when I was in when I was in high school and I had to do like a book report, I don't know if you all have to do book reports. I love seeing all the young people here today, man. I'm so fired up. <laughs> and I'm talking about everybody. I'm, I'm talking about everybody in here is young, okay? So just receive that. Because we are all we are all young in the light of eternity. Listen, in the light of eternity, it don't matter if you are ten years old. It doesn't matter if you're twenty years old. It doesn't matter if you're forty, fifty, eighty. You are young, right? We're all young up in here. We all. So, anyways, but I used to get so nervous when I had to get up in front of people and speak. I literally have a nervous breakdown. My body would start reacting. I'd have a, a big snot bubble in my nose, you know. And I'd get up, and I mean, literally, I would like. I mean, every. I mean, it just. I would anxiety. I had anxiety getting up in front of them speaking. And but here's the glory of God is here I am today by the grace of God, you know, to be able to get up. And that is 100 percent his grace. So I just want to encourage somebody, whatever God's called you to do, whatever God, because we we all have a calling on our life. There are assignments there are things that God has specifically designed and created you to do. The Bible says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand. So he didn't. Here's the cool thing. God's not preparing things on the fly. For those of us that do sometimes, God is not. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's not just up there going, oh, my God, what am I going to do today? Jesus, Holy Spirit, we got to figure it out. Oh, my gosh. Who am I, what are we going to do with Kevin? He's, got, he's going through this situation. Man, what are we going to do? we got to figure, we got to get a backup plan. Can I tell you what? God doesn't need a backup plan because his plan is going to work. The devil can't stop it. Nobody can stop God's plan for your life. Man, that's good news right there. You can't even mess it up. Oh, my gosh. How many times the devil come up to say, man, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did. And that's why the Bible says agree with your adversary. Yeah, I did do all those things. In fact, if it was up to me, I'd be unqualified, disqualified. The fact that I am disqualified, listen, the reason I'm qualified is not because of me, but because of Jesus and what he's done. See, when God calls you, you're qualified. The moment that he calls you, you're qualified. Because qualification is in his calling, not in what you do, not in your performance. Isn't that good news? But the devil was just trying to throw all this stuff in our face. Well, you did this, you did that, and you did this, and da-da-da, and you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you know, you're this, that, you're not that, you're not the right this or whatever, you came from the wrong pedigree. It don't matter. Come on, Elijah showed up 
out of the scene, out of nowhere, a prophet of the Lord, carrying the word of the Lord, impacted his generation, called fire down from heaven. What can God do through you and me if we'll just believe that his calling is on our life? You are called. You are called. You're anointed. You're appointed. God's hand is on your life. Make no mistake. Before you were doing the backstroke and you're swimming through that amniotic, not amniotic fluid, but they, they, what is it called? My biology has been a little fuzzy. It's been many years. I was a pre-med student. It's like, do you remember anything that you learned in college, Kevin? One little thing. Anyway, but before you were doing the backstroke in the womb, God called you. Before you were formed, that's what God told Jeremiah. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. God called you. He appointed you. To, he has a destiny for your life. But now it's up for us to figure out and just figure out what that destiny is by following him, by connecting with Jesus. Just, 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 just getting close to him. I mentioned this in the first service. <clears throat> There's a scripture in Isaiah, in Isaiah says, those that wait upon the Lord. I'm sure you guys have heard that, right? Those that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. And, and that, that whole passage, I love that. Now, that word wait isn't like, okay, all right, God's going to show up any minute now. I'm waiting on God. That's how a lot of Christians are. We're waiting. Man, I can't wait. Okay, any minute now, we're just going to sit around. We're going to wait. My breakthrough is coming. We're waiting on God. Man, God, God, if you don't... Waiting on you, Lord. No, the word wait there, it actually means, I mentioned this, it's, it's like if I had a rope and I were to tie it around this pole and just all the way around this pole, that's what it means to wait. It means to bind. It means to wrap around. It means to cling to. So when, you, when the Bible says wait on the Lord, it means to grab hold of God. He's like this post, okay, but he's better than this post, He's way better than this. Hey, I like your post, but he's way better than this post. He's way stronger than this post. He's immovable. He's unshakable. He's unstoppable. Nothing can move him. Nothing can stop him. And when you hold on to him, guess what? Nothing can stop you. Nothing can. You become immovable. Why? Because he's immovable. It's not your strength. It's his strength. You tap into his strength. And the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? His joy, not my joy. Because here's the thing. My joy is fleeting. It's like when you buy a new car. How many of y'all, when you, you know, you get a new car, get a used car, first you get it and you're like parked five miles away from the parking lot, right? You're like way out there in the distance. You park in the grass. You're hiding behind a tree in the bushes, you know, away from the car so nobody can hit your car, right? That's when we, and there's this joy and you're like, oh, a new car or whatever, all that. Well, I, how many of y'all know that wears off after a while? Next thing you know, you're parking like in between cars scratching up, so, you don't even care anymore. That joy is, you don't really do that, but that joy is gone. See, our joy is temporary. Our joy that is based on circumstances and situations and things that are happening around us, if that's where our joy, if that's what we're tethered to, then guess what? We're going to be like this, up like a roller coaster. Now, I know some of you young people, you like going on roller coasters. You like going to, you know, Six Flags and all that kind of stuff or whatever, the State Fair and riding all those crazy. I, I like roller coasters too. But let me tell you something. I don't like that emotionally. I don't like it when my life is like this, and I've been there. 
when I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down. When this is going good, then I'm up. And that's how a lot of us are sometimes. That's how a lot of us Christians are. A lot of believers are. Why? Because we're tethered to circumstances. We're tethered to situations. Our joy is determined by how things are going on the outside of us instead of the joy of the Lord, which is actually found on the inside of us because that joy comes from Jesus. And where does Jesus dwell? Inside of you and inside of me. Now, that's good news because guess what? I don't have to be dependent on the circumstances out there. I can have joy when all hell is breaking loose around me. And guess what that means? What a witness that is to somebody. When you are like dancing, you're laughing, you're playing, you're happy, and all hell's breaking loose around you. How could you be happy? How could you? And they want to come over and slap you. <laughs> Quit being so joyful. <laughs> no, I'm, I can't steal my joy. You know how bad the devil wants to rob you of your joy? Boy, he wants to take your joy. He wants to take your just like at Benihana or, you know, those Japanese steakhouses where like, <laughs> they cook it right in front of you. I love it when they light the little onion on fire and like, choo-choo. I still love that. I'm, I'm 40, in my 40s, and I'm still like a little kid. Are you going to light the onion on fire? Are you all going to do that and make it like go like a little train? I love that. It makes my day. I don't even care if I eat. I just want to see the onion on fire going down a little thing and you making a little train noise. That's why I'm here. <laughs> My life is complete. Jesus, take me home now. <laughs> but our joy comes within, right? And so the enemy wants to come up and slice and dice, and he does that, right? And it's like Peter, right? When, remember when Jesus said to Peter? He said that Satan design, desires to sift you like wheat. That's what he desires. That's what he desires for all of us, right? He wants to sift us like wheat. He wants to he wants to rob us of our joy and our peace and the things that Jesus that's ours. It's an inheritance that he bought for us. We didn't earn it. It's because of his goodness. It's because of his his uh, of his generosity. Not anything that we have done. It's all because we did nothing. He did everything. But Satan desires to sift you like wheat and me like wheat. Can I encourage you this morning? Can I encourage me this morning? Because I need encouragement too. Guess what? Jesus said to Peter, and this is what he says to us. He said, but. How many of y'all know that God's got a big old butt? I am grateful for God's butt because God's butt is bigger than any other butt out there, right? God got a big old butt, and his butt carries more than anything else out there. Listen, Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Now, think about that for a second. Do you realize that Jesus has prayed for you and for me? That he's praying for us. And what is he praying? He's praying, he said, that your faith would not fail. Now look at Peter. Look, look what God did in Peter's life. He said, I'm praying that your faith would not fail. This same Peter who denied Jesus three times after Jesus was, was, you know, captured in the night, and he denied him at the crow and all that stuff and was walking away, went back to fishing. He thought it was over. He thought it was finished. You ever been there? You ever thought, I've been there. Oh, I, I remember there was a season in my life where, where the devil said, you're done, you're finished, it's over for you, you, you know. And so you're just trying to figure out, I don't even know what I'm going to do now, God. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And so that's kind of where Peter was at. Oh, it's over. It's finished. But guess what? <laughs> Jesus said, I prayed for you. 
I prayed for you. Even though you went through that challenge, even though you went through that circumstance where the enemy tried to take you out, but I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. When Jesus prays for you, how many of y'all know it is powerful? It is powerful. When God speaks over you, his word will not return void. It will not return. It doesn't come back empty. No, it goes and it does what he means for it to do. God's word is at work in you. God's word is at work in us, and it will do everything that he intends for it to do. He, pray, he prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And look, God, Peter, he restored. Back to Peter becomes one of the greatest. In fact, that's Peter. He said, I'm going to build my church upon this rock, upon the revelation that God gave you, Peter. And Peter became one of the, the, the apostles and one of the great leaders of the early church. God restored him. Can I just declare, I believe this is a season of restoration, that there are, there are people here today, I feel this so strong in my spirit right now. There, God is restoring. I see God is restoring. I see pieces that have been broken. I see things in your life that the enemy literally tried to destroy, tried to, tried to, to annihilate. But I see God taking those pieces, and I see him restoring it. I see him healing. I like to declare a new beginning. In fact, this month, October, I found this out the other night. I was at worship night, and someone told me that, in the Hebrew calendar, I guess October this month is the month of new beginnings. And they told me this on Friday. And that Friday, this is past Friday, my son just, he has a, a group that uh, he's been here. Uh, David has been here before. Um, and uh, they have a new album that they just released. Their first little album that they're doing is called New Beginnings. And uh, so that came out on Friday. And on that Friday, I was speaking at a school in Midlothian, the high school. And as I was driving up there, I saw this butterfly come across uh, the windshield, my windshield, when I walked into the school, there was this butterfly picture on the wall that I saw. And so I just, I feel very strongly that there's this a word for somebody. God has fresh for you. God has a new beginning. God is doing something new in your life, in your destiny, in your job, in the workplace, in your marriage with your kids. God, this is a new beginning. You know, in fact, for Thrive Community Church, in fact, they just, you guys just broke ground on a new building. I believe God is breaking ground. What God, just like Pastor Nathan said, what God does, what happens in the natural is often an image or reflection of what's happening in the supernatural. And I believe that God is breaking ground in our lives, that God is breaking ground in our lives. There are things that are being broken open in our lives for such a time as this. So choose joy. Choose joy. Let me read this passage of Scripture to you guys. This comes from, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read from John 16. Verse 16, I love this, uh, I love this uh, series, Choose Joy, and I love this topic because it really is a choice. It really is. I mean, we can, you know, the Bible talks about where Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross. He was able to focus on the joy. There's always going to be multiple things that we can focus on. There's always going to be things that are going to be grabbing our attention. You can always find, listen, where do you find negatives? Or, yeah, you, 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 you can focus on the negatives, but where do you find, po you can find positives in the negatives? And that, that takes a skill. It takes, it's a choice. I'm going to choose. It's not I'm going to ignore the negative. It's not being uh, denial. It's not saying denial like I'm denying this is happening in my life or this situation is happening or I'm going through this trial or I'm going through this challenge. What it is is I'm choosing to focus on the positive. I'm choosing to believe that God is who he says he is and that he does what he says he will do. That's really what it boils down to is do we really believe? That's where our faith is tested. In fact, that's what it says in James chapter 1. It says, count it all joy. 
count it all. Now, I mentioned this in the first service. It says count it all, 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 all joy. All, not just half of it joy and half of it not so joy. <laughs> all of it joy. It says count. Now, count is a mathematical term, right? One plus one equals two, right? Good job. Give me a little fist. Booyah. I needed your help on that because I'm like, one plus one is what, Lord? I cannot remember. Help me. Two. Okay, thank you. One plus, no, it is. It's two. And that's my point is, and see how she said it with authority? She said two. Boom. She didn't go, well, it kind of feels like two. One plus, no, it's not a feeling. When you're counting something, what that means is you're pointing to that situation. You're pointing to that circumstance. You're pointing to what happened. You're pointing to that thing that looks dead, and you're counting it. You're declaring over it joy. You're prophesying. Listen, what you're actually doing, you are proclaiming, you are declaring, and you are prophesying joy. I'm counting it as joy. I'm chalking it up as joy. This situation that the enemy would love to say, hey, bring this up to, and say, man, this is, this is going to hover over you. This is going to be a negative. This is going to be a cloud. This is going to be hanging over you. Uh, no, it's not, devil. This ain't going to be hanging over In fact, that's joy because God has taken everything that I've walked through, and he's working it together for my good and for his purpose. God doesn't waste a hurt. He doesn't waste anything that we go through, anything that we walk through. God takes it, and by his grace, he's the master chef. He can take all the, he can take the leftovers. We were talking about that earlier. We were talking about leftovers, and I'm like, I don't normally eat leftovers, but you know what? God can take the leftovers in our life that we think there's nothing, that, he can, that they're no good for nothing. Nobody would want to eat that. Nobody would want to taste that. No, who would want to even, that, we, I need to throw that away. God doesn't throw any away. He takes, he takes everything, and he works it for our good. Every tear, every hurt, every painful moment, every deep, deep hurt, you know, there's a scripture in Psalms that says, though I walk through the valley of Baca, that's the valley of grieving. Though I've, for those of you that have ever lost any, anything, really, and you've grieved, this is a word for you. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley of Baca, that word Baca in the Hebrew means the grieving. It said that there will be pools of refreshing. There will be rain. There'll be rain, and they will go from strength to strength. Can I say that out of that place of grieving, and I can tell you that I've experienced this firsthand. At first, when I heard that passage, I didn't know what had happened. I knew after my, my wife had passed six years ago, had a stroke for, uh, and went to be with the Lord, totally unexpected. My best friend of my life, we were married 14 years. We pastored together at Covenant Church, and, and uh, <laughs> she... Um, I, same thing. You're right, honey. You're absolutely correct. I learned that too. So, but uh, so anyway, so she, she, uh, but when she went to be with the Lord, uh, it was unexpected. She had a stroke, totally unexpected. And when she went to be with the Lord, what I didn't realize, there was such a pain. There's a scripture that says, deep calls unto deep. And what I didn't realize was this, and I heard it a couple of years later, a pastor preaching and shared that passage from Psalms. And there was a well. That, that comes up out of me. There's a well of life. There's a, it's like a pool of refreshing, and it's very, very powerful that's come up out of that place of grieving. And what I learned was even as I would grieve, there would be times that, that I would grieve, and then all of a sudden the Lord would be so sweet. He'd be so sweet. This presence of the Lord would be so strong. And he would come, and he would begin to comfort me. And this is what I learned. The Bible says, be ready to comfort those with the comfort by which you have been comforted. 
And what I realized was I was going, what I went through, number one, it wasn't for me, but it was for those that God, I mean, God has, has been comforting and healed in me, and, and, but it was, it was for those that he, walking through that, there were those that he wanted to comfort through what I had walked through. There's a grace that has now opened up on the inside of me. There's a pull. So any of you that you've walked through any kind of situation where you have grieved, listen, out of that grief, God brings pools of refreshing. God, there's a well of life that comes up out of you, and it's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. That's why I say count it all joy when you go through various trials. I don't know about you, but I, I don't. whenever I'm going through a trial or challenge, I don't sit there and go, man, this is joyful. Joy, Lord, hell's breaking loose. My, my initial response. That's not our. That's not. We're not. We, that's that's not our initial reaction. But when you weigh the fact, when you when you really say, okay, God, do I really believe you are who you say you are? Do I really believe, as eight twenty eight says, that God causes things to work together for the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? Does this God that we sit here and we worship and we sing, what a powerful name it is, do we really believe that his name is that powerful? Are we just giving him lip service? Are we just singing songs because it's the thing to do on Sunday morning? Or do we really believe that this God that we worship, this God that we gather here on Sunday morning is who he says he is and can do what he said he can do and will do and has done what he said he has done? Because here's the deal, he's done it. Jesus finished it. Victory is ours. We're not trying to get to a place of victory. We are already there. He has risen. He has risen. He's alive. He's alive. And he takes our mourning and he and he and, he, and he'll take our mourning and he'll bring it to dancing. He'll take our mourning. He'll take our sorrows and he'll he'll bring it to joy. Why? Because he's risen. He's risen. Are you thankful this morning that he's risen? That he's alive? Are you grateful? I'm grateful. Do we really believe that? And see, the, the best part of that scripture, and I'll share this earlier too, is Romans 8, 28. The first three words of that scripture. First three words are, and we know. And we know. Because there's a difference. There's a big difference from, and we know is a conviction. It's a place of conviction. It's a place where you are convinced. And the Bible says that Abraham was fully convinced. See, there's a time that you have to, it's called a faith persuasion, where you're persuading your heart about the, the, who God is. You're persuading. You're persuading. God is good. God is good. Uh, God, I am righteous. I am, I am who God says I am. you got to persuade your own heart. Because there's certain times you'll say God is good, and your heart will say, no, he's not. And you realize your heart's saying one thing. You're saying one thing, but your heart is saying something different. There's pow- the power is when you say one thing, your heart says the same thing. It comes in agreement with what God's word says. That's what Romans says. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. See, we can confess with our, in our mouth all day long and not believe in our heart. It has no power. The power is when you confess in your heart God's will, God's word, and you believe in your heart. And so do you, do you know? That's my question. Do you know? Have you chosen to believe? Do you know that God is good all the time? That God, not, not everything that happens in our life is good, obviously. I'm not talking about problem-free, that there's going to, once you become a Christian, life is going to be, oh, uh, it's like, 
you know, row, row your, row your boat gently down the stream. Being a believer is so wonderful, never have any problem. No, that's not how it is. You be row, row your boat down the stream, and all of a sudden you hit some rapids. <laughs> Out of nowhere, boom, life hits you. You didn't see it coming. But do you know in that moment that God is good? Are you convinced? And you have a conviction that God is good. He's going to work this together for my good. So I choose to believe. Why? Because he's risen. He's risen, and he's alive. He's alive here this morning. He's alive in you. He's alive in me. And when I walk, I love it. Whenever time I walk through this, these doors, you know, I just can feel the presence of God here. When we were worshiping this morning, God is here. And here's what I love. God can take. God can take our sorrows. And that's what Jesus said. He said, you, you know, you're going to sorrow for a moment, but your grief is going to turn into joy. And here's the promise that he makes. He says, and listen, nobody, this is powerful, and this is Jesus speaking. He said, nobody can take that joy from you. Nobody. No circumstance, no man, no devil, no demon, no report from the doctor, no financial difficulty, nothing, 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 no challenge in a relationship, in a marriage, nothing can, nothing, nothing can take that joy away from you. It doesn't have the right, it doesn't have the authority. Why? Because Christ, it's, it's, it's finished. We're, we're in a place of victory. Joy is ours. It's eternal. And he's risen. And listen, he'll take our sorrows. He'll take our mourning. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. But you know what? There comes a time where God says, and I want to encourage you in this, and I've been there, where we can hold on to the past. We can hold on to something that God's saying, let that go. There's some of you that there's a relationship. There's something that you felt like you were being rejected. You were not, you're not being rejected. You were actually being protected. And there's situations where that didn't work out, and God, and it's hard to let go of that. Maybe a business or a relationship that went a different way or whatever. But God, God, there's times where God says, you got to let that go because what I have for you ahead of you is even better. It's like with, with Samuel. Samuel had anointed Saul to be the king, and God rejected him, if you remember that story. And then God told Samuel when, when he rejected him, Samuel was grieving. Why? Because he loved Saul. He had a relationship with him, and it was hard to see that happen. And he was grieving, but there came a point where God told Samuel, look, how long are you going to mourn? How long are you going to grieve? How long are you going to stay in this place? I want you to choose joy because I got something better for you in your future. So I want you to get up, get your horn, get your oil, and I want you to go forward. Why? Because he has risen. Christ is risen, and he has something good for us. He has something good, and he'll take our mourning, and he'll turn it to dancing. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Come on, give him some praise. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and take your seat. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have risen. That, Lord, you conquered the grave. You conquered death. Thank you, Lord, that though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And, God, we thank you. We declare, declare new beginnings. We thank you that it is... This is the day, Lord, that you have made. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 
We choose to rejoice. See, before you even, before you even take a, a step into that day, before you even face anyone in that day, make a decision in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to choose to rejoice no matter what face, no matter what life throws at me, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that my God is for me, that he's not against me, and that whatever I face, that he has equipped me, he has anointed me, and he has appointed me to walk in victory. Listen, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus.